It's time for Lawyers for Jesus, a show about the dynamic and exciting interaction of faith and the law, featuring the attorneys from the law firm Malkin Baker in downtown Chicago. Malkin Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and for serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky, an attorney and partner at the law firm of Malkin Baker in Chicago. We are Christian attorneys who focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. To learn more about us, go to malkbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com or call 312-726-1243. There have been several recent incidents of prominent lawyers under scrutiny for criminal behavior involving their clients. How can you know which lawyers to trust and what should a responsible attorney-client relationship look like? Today, our guest is Tom Dillon, a Chicago-based trial attorney who represents plaintiffs in suits involving malpractice, negligence, and more. With over 25 years of experience, Tom has spent a tremendous amount of time with clients, consultants, and experts. Tom, welcome to our show. Thank you, Whit. Thanks for having me. Uh, Tom, how did you get into this kind of law? My partner always says that he got into it by accident. We were at the same firm almost 30 years ago. And when he started doing work for the Illinois State Bar Association Mutual Insurance Company, which we shortcut as ISBA Mutual, uh, he always says it was by accident. Well, when he fell into it by accident, our whole firm did. And when, <laughs> when he and I formed our own firm in 2000, uh, that continued. So we defended lawyers in uh, malpractice cases, breach of fiduciary duty cases, and in ethics matters. And we've expanded uh, our involvement to represent plaintiffs, though uh, clients, in similar kinds of cases. So you represent, in effect, both sides? We do. We do. We split. And uh, sometimes that's easy, sometimes it's not. Well, is there any resentment by uh, uh, other lawyers that you've representing clients as well against them? Uh, believe it or not, no. I think um, overwhelmingly, in my experience, the lawyers uh, that we've dealt with are very deeply committed to getting outcomes for their clients that their clients want. And they recognize that sometimes our profession isn't perfect and we fail in that endeavor. So we really have not seen a great deal of hostility from other lawyers. I personally haven't. Um, now, some big firms might be a little bit hostile because Generally, that's the type of law firm that we would be suing if there's a conflict of interest or something. Uh, but really, private practicing lawyers, small firm lawyers, they don't, don't really have a lot of hostility toward us, at least none that they're willing to voice. They are grateful when we come in to help, though. That's, that's good. And do you find that representing plaintiffs also helps you represent defendants and vice versa because you get to see both sides? I think, I think yes. Um, representing the client is interesting because you get their perspective of what they expected. And what people expect their lawyers to do is really eye-opening. It's often vastly greater than what the lawyer thinks the lawyer is taking on <laughs> in representation. And so for that reason, I often give lawyers the advice of making sure at the very beginning that they are as explicit as possible in telling clients, this is what I am going to handle. This is what I'm not going to handle. And this is what I'm not going to handle is oftentimes everything else. 
Right. Uh, but you have to be very specific about what you're taking on. And for purposes of making sure the client's expectations don't go too far afield from what the representation is, you want to avoid having conversations about other things that are collateral or completely unrelated to whatever the representation is. A lawyer can mislead a client into believing that the lawyer is representing that client on other matters. So it's very important that the lawyer and the client be on the same page so that the client knows what are you taking care of for me? What can I count on you to do for me? And what, if I have other problems, do I have to take to somebody else? And, and I would add to that, I think, also making sure the client knows, especially, say, in a litigation situation, what the chances of success are and what the likely costs are going to be. Also very important, yes. Uh, you want to convey to the client as a lawyer, this is what we think our chances of success are. This is what we think a reasonable or likely range of outcomes can be. The client needs information. For most clients, this is completely foreign territory. They don't know what to expect, and they rely on their lawyers to tell them. The more information a lawyer can give, the better. Lawyers are sometimes afraid to, to give too much information because they think they're going to get pinned down by the client. But that's not really how clients behave. Clients just want to know information that they can use to base their decisions on what to do next. Good. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky of the law firm Malk and Baker. If you're just tuning in or want to hear our other Lawyers for Jesus interviews, visit malkbaker.com forward slash radio. You can also subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for legal updates with a biblical perspective. Today I've been speaking with uh, Tom Dillon, partner of Conasec and Dillon about uh, legal malpractice and client expectations. Uh, Tom, you mentioned uh, uh, making sure that the client has the right expectations of what you're going to do as an area to protect uh, the lawyer. What are kind of the other areas where you see uh, problems with the attorney-client relationship? There's two kinds of cases that we tend to see. I've categorized them this way anyway. Uh, category number one, there but for the grace of God go I. That's the kind of mistake that can happen to any lawyer. It's missing a deadline. Uh, it might be uh, misidentifying a defendant in a lawsuit, maybe in a real estate closing having the wrong tax ID or parcel number, something like that. That's, that's the kind of case that happens because we are all human and we are all imperfect. Uh, the other category of cases why on earth did you do that? Uh, which is where a lawyer, um, and I might use different phrasing sometimes for that uh, that category, but where a lawyer <laughs> has done something that really was ill-advised, uh, taking a chance that should not have been taken, a chance that was not reasonable under the circumstances, uh, engaging in a conflict of interest that was right out there that should have been seen, should have been known, should have been disclosed, and should have been avoided. Those are really big problem areas. When you take away the second category of cases, it's very difficult to completely prevent that first category, the there but for the grace of God go I category. Uh, and lawyers are generally speaking careful people, careful about their business, with few exceptions. Most lawyers keep good records, they follow up with clients, they write letters, they document their files. They're very task-oriented people, and they're good at it. Uh, there are the exceptions, of course, uh, and that's not to suggest that our clients are the exceptions because quite the contrary. Our clients are uh, amazing lawyers. I mean, you wouldn't believe, and I won't mention names here, but we've been blessed to represent some 
truly amazing, astonishing lawyers. Their cases fall into that first category there, but for the grace of God, go I. Well, uh, when you talk to clients who are former clients of other lawyers coming to you with a problem, is there, do you need to do something special to get their trust in you? Because after all, they've been burned by one lawyer and now they're going to another one. That depends more on the type of law that the, their lawyer that they're looking to sue was practicing for them. In other words, it's really category specific by practice area. You will find in certain practice areas, I might mention divorce law, that the clients are less inclined to trust the lawyer. It's not so much, I think in that case, the lawyers themselves who are worthy of distrust, it's the process is so unhealthy and so detrimental to the well-being of the people involved that they naturally distrust the people who are involved in the process. So we hear, um, and a lot of it is presented to us uh, by people contacting us through our website. Uh, they'll express anger, dismay at the fact that their lawyer was nice to the other lawyer or their lawyer was nice to the judge <laughs> or the judge was nice to the lawyers. Uh, they don't understand that that's actually the way it should be. That's not a detriment to our legal system. It's what we're supposed to do in terms of civility with other attorneys. But it does, for some people, create a great deal of distrust. So a lot of that is just like correcting the course and letting them know this is really the way things should go. This is what we should all be striving for, not what we should be avoiding. Fee issues are another one that's a big, a big issue. So you get lawyers who look at clients as, how much money can I make from this client? Instead mm -hmm. of looking at it as, this is a person who has come to me with a legal problem that I'm trained and licensed to help them with. And if the lawyer puts that as their primary focus, more often than not, in fact, probably 99% of the time, the relationship ends well. And you want to make sure that you're compensated for what you do. But on the other hand, you don't want to look at them as kind of a, a, a piggy bank from which you can... Um, send your kids to college. Mine are all through, so I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> I, I saw a cringeworthy example of what I detest among lawyers uh, in court probably 15 years ago now, and I won't mention names. I don't know the names, so that's easy to not mention. Um, I was waiting in the hallway of the courthouse for a law school classmate of mine to get out of court, and we were going to go have coffee. So sitting outside a, what I think was a DUI courtroom, and I don't practice any criminal law, so I really have no idea what it's like to represent people who have been charged with crimes. But I can imagine that for the client, it's stressful. So this client was walking up to the door. The lawyer opened the door of the courtroom without even saying hello to the client. The very first thing he asked was, do you have my check? <laughs> and I thought, how does the client feel about that? You know, does my matter matter to you? Does the fact that I've been charged with a crime matter to you? Or does the fact that I can pay you money matter to you? And I think that that lawyer, I certainly don't know whatever relationship they had, if there was a history or a problem with payment or something like that. But if you're going to take on the matter professionally, you have to manage the that part of it a whole lot better, more effectively. Well, and yeah, and collecting, you know, especially for a small firm, that's always a, a delicate thing because of the closeness of the relationship between the, the lawyer and the client. Coming up, we'll hear more from Tom Dillon, partner and attorney at Conasec and Dillon, about how both clients and attorneys 
and avoid legal malpractice. I'm Whit Brisky, and this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. Hi, this is Pastor McCracken, pastor of the Church of Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in Markham, Illinois. For the last four years, our church has been struggling to overcome the city's efforts to shut us down. In the midst of all of our legal issues, we felt overwhelmed and discouraged. All we wanted to do was worship the Lord and serve our community. We needed a law firm that not only had the knowledge of the law, but the same commitment of the kingdom of God. The Lord connected us with the law firm of Malcolm Baker. The attorneys at Malcolm Baker have not only provided us with exceptional legal representation and counsel, but have also provided us with the added gift of lawyers who pray with us and seek the guidance of the Lord at every step. After working with Malcolm Baker, we can't imagine working with anyone else. If your church or ministry has any legal needs, please call us, 312-726-1243, or look us up online at maukbaker.com. Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky, an attorney at Malk and Baker, a law firm based in Chicago, which serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals in their legal needs. If you missed the first part of this show and want to listen online, go to malkbaker.com forward slash radio. Today, I've been speaking with Tom Dillon, founding partner at Conasec and Dillon, about professional relationships between lawyers and their clients, and how they should be handled responsibly. Tom, why is it important uh, for a lawyer to have integrity and to act honestly with their client? I think when it goes back to the question you asked me before the break about trust, uh, if a, a lawyer has integrity and acts honestly, then they can do what their client needs them to do. The client is entitled to uh, fidelity, loyalty. And they're entitled to have a lawyer who is going to always act in that client's best interests. Uh, it's been very difficult over the years to represent lawyers who are in a conflict of interest situation uh, that should have been seen, should have been disclosed, and should have governed the relationship. Uh, if a lawyer tells a client at the beginning of a relationship, hey, I've got this interest. I, I am, I'm friends with the other lawyer's brother's you know, youngest child or something like that, the client can tell at the beginning if that's going to be a problem or not. If conflicts like that, which are not necessarily conflicts, they're potential conflicts, if those kinds of things are disclosed, fully disclosed to the client at the beginning, almost universally, the client's going to say, okay, I accept that. The client gets an important message there. One, the client's in charge. Client is the boss. Two, the client can trust what the lawyer is going to do because the lawyer is disclosing, hey, these are what my other interests might be. If at any time you think these are problematic, you let me know. If those kinds of conflicts or potential conflicts are not disclosed at the beginning and they're revealed later on after something bad has happened, I guarantee you that client is going to be very, very upset. And they would say, I would never have agreed to that if my lawyer had told me at the beginning, I would have gotten another lawyer. And that, that's true, even if he probably would have waived it or not worried about it if you told him up front. But when it's, you know, it's easy 
thinking back on something to to blame somebody else for a bad thing, a that's, bad outcome. That's right. And one of the things that we've learned from listening to clients when they give us their gripes, if you will, about lawyers is you realize that their perspective, again, of the relationship is very different and what troubles them is different than what we think might trouble them. Uh, clients are not, believe it or not, they're not always expecting perfection. And I have had lawyer clients ask me, what do I do in this situation? I've, I've made a mistake, something has happened, what do I do? The answer is very simple. The client is the boss, you tell the client. They come back and they say some remarkable things. And this happened year after year after year with lawyer clients telling me this. You wouldn't believe what happened. I'd say, I bet you they gave you referrals. Yeah, they gave me referrals. They <laughs> referred business to me. How can that be? Well, because now they know they can trust you. You told them something about the representation that was adverse to you. Now they know they can put their name behind you as a lawyer and vouch for you to their friends and colleagues. Well, Tom, I, uh, <clears throat> I know you're a brother in Christ, and I, and I want to ask you, does your faith make any difference in terms of the way you practice law? Absolutely. Um, every single day is a gift from God. It's a blessing. Um, and I, I like to live in terms of my representation by the rules that I learned, um, which is what I consider to be Christ teaching. You want to treat people well, no matter what. They can be on the other side. They could be tearing you up and down, but you still show them respect. Uh, I, I like to um, look at the perspective of things. Um, the perspective is no matter what we all have going on in our day-to-day -day lives that might be adverse, almost always somebody else is worse off. And are we going to try to help the situation get better? Or are we here to make the situation worse? And I think um, if we answer we're here to make it better, we'll probably make the place better. Well, I, I, I'm, our practice is a little different than yours because we more explicitly uh, represent uh, churches and religious organizations uh, largely. And so we kind of are up front with our, with our Christianity. Uh, but do you integrate your, your faith within your practice and make it really your ministry? I wouldn't say that we do explicitly, um, in part because we do represent people of all faiths and probably some people who don't have faith. Um, it would be wonderful if I could convey to those who don't have faith that they should have faith, uh, that all wonderful things come from Christ. But um, so far I've failed in that, uh, in, in converting those uh, not yet converted. Well, you know, you never know what the, what the outcome is going to be. All you can do is plant the seed by having, you know, the picture on the wall or, or something, and people ask you. I've had people, a lot of people ask me, about it, who were who were Jewish or some other, uh, not faithful at all, and so it's. Uh, I encourage clients to pray. Um, I think it's extremely important, uh, especially when it comes to deposition preparation or trial preparation when they're getting ready to to testify. They can get very very nervous, and I usually know by this stage if a client is someone who's a devout Christian or if they've got another faith, and I will look at them and I'll say. The best advice I can give you is to pray because there's no help I can give you that's any better than the help you'll get there. Amen. Amen. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky of Malkin Baker, and we're talking to Tom Dillon, partner and attorney at Conasec and Dillon, about his faith and how he integrates it with his law practice.
Now, uh, Tom, what does a, a good, healthy attorney-client relationship look like? It's a relationship that recognizes the realities first and foremost, and that reality is what I've alluded to a couple of times, that the client is the boss. We as lawyers work for clients, not the other way around. And oftentimes I'll hear a lawyer say, well, I fired this client. It's not the reality. They can quit, but they can't fire the client. And if they have that attitude that I fired a client, then maybe things might go astray. I think if they have the attitude from the beginning, this is my boss, how will I treat my boss? How will I answer questions my boss asks? Uh, I think that's uh, the best way for the relationship to get off on a strong start. Okay. Uh, now, you gave a presentation to, um, to Christian Legal Society a few months back about Johnny Carson and used that as an example. And uh, we don't have a lot of time, but maybe in a couple of minutes, could you give that a top-level summary of that? I'll do my best. Yeah, that was a um, story that as I watched Johnny Carson as a kid, uh, Monday through Friday night, he would frequently talk about his lawyer, the bombastic Bushkin, and I was <laughs> completely confident as a kid that that was just a fictional character that he created for purposes of comedy on the show. Uh, I did not realize until literally five years ago when I saw the book Johnny Carson at Barnes & Noble that the book was written by Henry Bushkin and that Henry Bushkin was, in fact, his lawyer. So Carson's lawyer um, joins up with him in 19, late 1960s, early 1970, and they end up in a very interesting friendship, uh, an interesting business relationship, and an interesting attorney-client relationship that ends up being highly uh, profitable for both of them, but particularly Johnny Carson. Where the relationship went astray, off the rails, if you will, was 15 years after they were best friends and business partners. The attorney was trying to advise Johnny Carson about things that would make Carson an even bigger name in entertainment. They were good ideas. In fact, they were so good that many of the ideas are used today by entertainers and producers, people who own entertainment content but they weren't things that Johnny Carson was interested in. And as a result, he felt that he was being pushed by his lawyer to do something. And if he didn't want to do it, it must be that the lawyer wanted to do it for his own self-interest. And as brilliant as they were, as forward thinking as they were, it wasn't what the client wanted to do. And that's where the relationship went south. It ended up in a sense of betrayal that Johnny Carson felt about the lawyer and about a, um, business venture that was the sale of a production company that did some pretty pretty uh, successful television shows and a movie called The Big Chill, which is very, very popular. And when that uh, business relationship went south, Carson felt betrayed, felt that the lawyer was trying to take advantage for his own self-interest and that self-dealing is something that's prohibited for all of us lawyers. Um, not suggesting one way or another that that's what the lawyer did, but that's the way it was perceived by the client to be. And it resulted in a rather significant malpractice case that settled for a whole lot of money. <laughs> well, you know, that's that's a real lesson for, for all of us in terms of uh, uh, how we should uh, practice law and make sure that uh, we have our client's interest first before anything else. And, and not just on day one, but on day 10,000 as well. Yep. Tom, thanks for coming in and speaking with us today. How can people learn more about you and your firm? They can find our website, 
www.conicekdillonlaw.com. Nice and short, K-O-N-I-C-E-K-D-I-L-L-O-N-Law.com. We're in Geneva and Chicago. Our phone number is 630-262-9655. And thank you very much for having me. Thanks, Tom. If you have a legal need or question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Malkin Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243 or at malkbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Visit our website and subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter with legal updates or call us and mention Lawyers for Jesus for a free consultation. Thanks for listening. I'm Whit Brisky, attorney at Balkan Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. Gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody.